Hey man, welcome back to the Super Divorce Supercast. Nicholas Villars here, aka Super Divorce. Supercast episode number 104. 104 episodes. Uh, well, sorry, 103 down, and we're starting on episode 104 now. So thanks for being here today. Happy Monday. Beginning of a brand new week. Brand new things on deck and in store. Last time I spoke with you on Saturday, we had just wrapped up a week of games and fun. And now we're looking ahead to another week of games and fun and um, entertainment. On Saturday, I spoke about some entertainment I was looking forward to. We had on Saturday evening, there was a big Madison Square Garden WWE show, and there was also a big Ultimate Fighting Championship program. Of course, the Madison Square Garden show from the WWE was not televised. I found a stream. Someone on Twitter was uh, being a good sister, and she was streaming that and got to see the big surprise. Everyone was wondering, what's the big surprise going to be? There was a Brock Lesnar championship match, and his opponent was a mystery. It was a mystery opponent. No one knew who it was going to be. A lot of speculation was going around the internet that it might be Cody Rhodes making his debut at a house show, a glorified house show. Uh, That did not happen. Turns out Brock Lesnar's big opponent was Vince McMahon's personal assistant, Austin Theory. And it was a very quick, uneventful match. A lot of people were very disappointed. But then again, if you built yourself up into believing that Cody Rhodes was going to debut at Madison Square Garden at a house show, then perhaps you played yourself. That just might be. But still, they could have come up with something a little better than Austin Theory. That's my theory. You could have picked a better opponent. You could have gotten someone. You could have dug someone up that would have really made the place pop and would have been kind of fun, but Austin Theory. All right, whatever. You know. Uh, The UFC event, I was really looking forward to watching that. Uh, That was uh, the main event was was old... uh, RDA, no, sorry, sorry, that was not the uh, the main event. That was a that was a good fight. Uh, RDA versus uh, what's his fuck? Um, ah, shit, I have to look it up. Uh, what's the guy's name? I can't remember off the top of my head. Damn it. Uh, the main event was Jorge Masvidal, Street Jesus, versus Colby Covington, and that was a good fight. I mean, it was uh, it went all five rounds, so you always like to see that. You get your money's worth. You feel like you get your money's worth in a fight like that. However, it was kind of a mauling. It was kind of a one-sided mauling, truth be told. Colby Covington got the W. Um, you know, so that's what I did on Saturday. I watched those events transpire. And then last evening, I drank some beers. I tried this new... What is it? A new Michelob beer. It was like a golden Michelob. It was pretty light and crisp. Only 2.5 carbs. 
for all of you out there who are watching your figures. If you're looking for something to imbibe that's low in the carbohydrate department. I had uh, also spoken, I think, I think I talked about MGD on Saturday and how it had surprisingly low carbohydrate content. Well, I have to amend my information that I gave you on that. I accidentally spread some fake news about MGD. I found out after consulting several other nutrition facts websites that the first one that I had gone to was they were well, they were being purveyors of fake news and then they caused me to spread fake news misinformation and disinformation on beer and uh, the carbohydrate content I was under the impression from this website that I visited that uh, MGD only had one gram or uh, what was it is that a, yeah one gram of carbohydrates and I thought that seemed low and I was right because that that's not correct it's that's not correct at all Miller genuine draft actually has about 12.5 carbohydrates which puts it right right next to the old Coors banquet right there in the same wheelhouse the Michelob beer however uh, that's advertised right on the side of the damn carton it says uh, 2.5 grams, I believe, of carbohydrates. So if you're looking for something low in carbs, uh, there you go. Check out that new, uh, yeah, that new Michelob beer. And you can drink that and not get fat. As long as you don't drink too many of them. Mm. Yeah, so uh, I got some... I got some of that. We watched the AEW, the All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view last night. The Revolution Show. That was a great program. A nice long pay-per-view. You had the buy-in, which is like your pre-show. There was one match on one standout match on that. It was a fantastic six-man tag team match. The House of Black. Malachi Black. Buddy Matthews and Brody King versus Eric Redbeard, Penta Oscuro, Penta Oscuro, and um, and Pac. And I'm usually not a big fan of six-man tag team matches, but this was a fantastic six-man tag. Kept me interested the whole time. You got a nice hard-hitting face-off between uh, Brody King and Eric Redbeard, formerly Eric Rowan former member of the Wyatt family. He'd made one previous appearance in AEW back on the Brody Lee tribute show. He came out and um, paid tribute. And that was a cool moment there. Went, uh, what was that? That was, that was over a year ago, I think. I don't remember the exact date, but now he's back. It looks like he has joined AEW full-time. He's going to be hanging out with Pac and Penta. Taking on the House of Black team. Good to see Buddy Matthews back in the ring. He's a fantastic performer. Everyone in this match, uh, great performances all around. Also on the buy-in was Layla Hirsch versus Chris Chris Statlander. Eh. Hook versus QT Marshall. 
That was another buy-in or a pre-show match. I mean, it's Hook is a fantastic in-ring performer as well. But when your dad's Taz, the human suplex machine, kind of expect that. Though he's shocking people with his his in-ring skills. You know, when I saw him just coming out with Team Taz for the longest time, he just looked kind of like a generic fuckboy, if you will. But then he gets in there, and he can go, man. He can go. He is a, gr- a great professional wrestler. The main card itself, the All, e- All Elite Wrestling's Revolution Show, the program. Um, I mean, there were, there were a few duds on the card. You know, uh, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Eh. Jade Cargill versus Ty Conti. Eh. The six-man Tornado Trios match between Matt Hardy, Andrade El Idolo, and Isaiah Cassidy versus Sammy Guevara, Darby Allin, and Sting. That was just like a complete breakdown of order and sense. That match was was absurd. I didn't know what was happening there. And not in like a really good way. It was like a it was a head scratcher. It was really odd. An awkward match to have on the main card. I didn't really understand that one. Just uh people fighting all over the arena, which I guess you can do in a tornado trios match. But it reminded me more of the stadium stampede type of program. You know? Uh, only the, the teams that were squaring off in this one, uh, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Not a great buildup. I would have rather had uh, Sammy Guevara, the TNT champion, I would have rather seen him in his own title match on this pay-per-view. I don't like when champions don't get to defend their titles at the pay-per-view shows. It's always bothered me. In my opinion, champions should be defending at pay-per-views. I don't like it when certain titles are left off. It's always been uh, sort of, uh, you know, sort of a a sticking point, a pet peeve of mine. If you got a champion, they need to be on that damn pay-per-view defending the title. Don't stick them in a random six-man tag. I mean, what? Sammy Guevara, he's like, he's in a stable. You know what I mean? He's already in a stable. He's in a faction. And he's, uh, you know, it's like it doesn't make any sense with Sting and Darby Allen. They've been teaming together for a long time now. They wear the face paint. Darby Allen is kind of like, you know, he's job shadowing Sting. Sting is uh, managing him. He's um, mentoring him. That pairing makes sense. And you can see them kind of teaming up with maybe another dark personality but when you throw Sammy Guevara in there it just doesn't make any sense to me and then that the uh you know the Matt Hardy Andrade thing that that's another one that that I don't understand they had Chavo Guerrero come in and it seemed like he was going to be working with Andrade for like a minute and then he was gone and then he's joining up with Matt Hardy who can barely move anymore which is sad I don't like to say that. I've always been a big fan of the Hardys. But 
Matt just looks like he's swinging around hunks of wood when he's walking. His legs look like big hunks of wood that he's just kind of lumbering around with, you know? And uh, and he um, he's just not the Matt Hardy of old. When he's doing the broken Matt gimmick, when he's out of his mind and he looks like Toe Cutter from Mad Max, then it's it's really, you can kind of overlook the lack of his... Um, in-ring ability at this juncture and I'm not saying that to be disrespectful I'm just saying watch Matt Hardy from 20 years ago and then watch one of his matches now he's not the same performer and when he's got this larger than life insane gimmick going on and he's just wrestling this crazy style and he's like biting people's faces off and screaming and and using dirty tactics then you can kind of overlook it because he, he, you know, he's, um, he's not trying to be the Matt Hardy of old, which is what it looks like he's trying to do now. And that's why it doesn't work for me. Anyway, that was a weird match. Long winded way of telling you that that one's, is it worth watching? Uh, I don't know. There were some spots in it that kind of made people go oh my gosh but they didn't make sense to be in that match it's like people taking risks for no reason where they could have died or they could have broken a bone you know you don't need to take these big risks sting does not need to be jumping from the rafters through uh several stacked tables in a random six-man tag at 62 years old or however however old he is now 61 or 62 it's like i appreciate him going out there and doing it i think he moves around better than matt hardy does so it's not like i want sting to go away because he can't put on a good performance anymore i will say once his hair gets messed up he starts to look silly he's got this big like poof it looks like a big like a big messy wig, you know, if you imagine like the worst wig that you've ever picked up from like uh, the Halloween shop, you take the wig out of the package and it's all poofed up and frizzle frazzled. And that's what his hair looks like after he's been wrestling for a while. When he comes out and it's slicked back and he's got the trench coat and the face paint and he's still looks good in decent shape for his age you can buy sting you can buy stinger as soon as the hair gets messed up it's tough to take him seriously anymore because he's got the big poofy mop and uh and it just doesn't look good you know maybe you should i don't know what a what a, a shaved head sting work maybe maybe not you might be able to try it sometime uh eddie kingston versus chris jericho that was uh classic hard-hitting affair the deal was that chris jericho was supposed to shake eddie kingston's hand at the end of the match if kingston could overcome le champion if he could actually beat chris jericho jericho would eat his words and he would shake hands with eddie kingston because he said he did not uh, appreciate him he did not respect him but he would gain Chris Jericho's respect with a win. 
Jericho lost that one, and he ducked out of the ring like a baby, refused to shake hands with Kingston. So is the feud over? Maybe, maybe not. But that one lived up to the hype. Hard-hitting affair. Both guys going all out. Chris Jericho looked great. Kingston looked great. Looked like a real grudge match. Two guys just beating the shit out of each other. Nicely done. How about the Face of the Revolution ladder match? Had some big guys. Keith Lee, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs. Usually don't get three huge guys in a ladder match of this kind, but uh, those dudes were in it. That was an entertaining one. Wardlow ended up taking home the brass ring to win the Face of the Revolution. Um, how about the uh, the triple threat tag team match between Red Dragon, Jungle Boy, uh, Luchasaurus, and the Young Bucks? I thought that was kind of forgettable, to be honest with you. Um. But then John Moxley, Brian Danielson, that lived up to the hype. Another hard-hitting affair. A technical masterpiece by Brian Danielson. Just showing off that no one else is on his level. And then when it comes to toughness, and a guy just playing the role of brawler, no one can hang with Moxley. Maybe Eddie Kingston, those two. Those are like your, your big brawlers. Maybe the best big brawlers in the game right now. But Moxley, Danielson, just... Just going to town, getting after it. Uh, Moxley ends up getting the win on that one. And then they couldn't stop fighting even after the match was over. And who comes out to make his AEW debut? William Regal, a real man's man. He comes out, he slaps the shit out of both of them and kind of gets them to shake hands with with each other. And this is... A fantastic sign of things to come. It looks like John Moxley and Brian Danielson are either going to be forming up a tag team, or maybe they're going to have a stable with William Regal as the leader. Cool things ahead there. CM Punk versus MJF in that dog collar match. Punk lost about five gallons of blood. Really roughed up MJF in that one. Came out to his old Ring of Honor theme song, wearing his old Ring of Honor uh, shorts and his hoodie that he used to wear when he came out in Ring of Honor, and uh, AFI playing in the background. Crowd went wild. People were crying on Twitter. Chills. A chill-inducing moment was that. You don't get that very often. Reminded me of when Edge recently came out to the Brood theme song. That was another one of those things. As a wrestling fan, it's always really, really special when a wrestler does like a throwback. Wears old ring gear that they haven't worn in like 5, 10, 15 years. And they come out wearing the old gear, maybe using the old theme song. If you're a wrestling fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you know the feeling that induces as a fan. That's fucking awesome. If you don't watch wrestling, you might hear that and you're like, what What the hell? Why does that matter? They're wearing, they're wearing a suit they haven't worn in a long time. Who cares? They came out to music you haven't heard in a long time. Who gives a shit? Um, 
Maybe you'll understand if uh, you think of it this way. If you're a gamer, okay, maybe you don't watch wrestling, but you've probably played video games. Have you ever been in a game and uh, you're like a fan of the series or the franchise? You're a fan of Zelda games, let's say. And what is it? There's a good example of this in Wind Waker. When I think you go back to the Temple of Time in Wind Waker. I believe that's where it is. I know that you visit a location from Ocarina of Time. And the music hits. And it's a place you've been before, but you've not been there in years. It's like that same nostalgic feeling that gets brought forth. And that's what happened with Punk last night when he came out. It's like he's going into battle. He had to call up this version of himself he's not tapped into in years. A little bit rougher around the edges version. A younger and more ruthless version. And that's what that's what you got last night in that dog collar match where the wrestlers are chained to each other. They're both wearing dog collars, uh, you know, connected by a big ass chain. And Punk got whipped with that thing. And it, uh, MJF laid it in there, man. I mean, almost immediately you could see the chain marks just welt up across his back. And Punk got him a few times too, but I, I don't think he got him as good as MJF got Punk, unfortunately. Lots of blood. Lots of guts. Awesome. Awesome. The main event, Hangman Page versus Adam Cole. How about that one? Um, It was tough to follow. Punk and MJF and then the uh, Moxley-Danielson and then also the Kingston-Jericho thing. It's like those three matches set the bar extremely, incredibly high. It was going to be tough for for anyone in the main event uh, to, you know, outdo any of those other three matches I just mentioned. You would think maybe Hangman Page and Adam Cole could do it, but I feel like the build up to this match has been rushed. Adam Cole still doesn't look like he's he's in you know very good shape. He needs to get it together, I think, a little bit on the fitness side of things because you I know that that physique is not everything all right size isn't everything Rey Mysterio has been world champion before I get it okay but when you look at the WWE and you see that their two champions their two world champions are Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and then you look even over to New Japan and you see that Okada is champion. And then you look at AEW and you see Hangman Page. I mean, he doesn't have the size. He can wrestle, as can Adam Cole. Um, but neither one of those guys with the belt on their shoulder or around their waist is going to look like they stand a, a chance in hell against any of the other guys that I mentioned. And Hangman Page, he has not had a very good title run. He's had some good matches, but the run itself, the narrative thread going along the way with him, it just hasn't felt very eventful. 
It's felt like uh, I'm just looking at my watch here waiting for someone else to take that title so we can get into something good and you can have a, a headlining program for your world championship that feels like the most important thing on the card. This match, this main event last night, did not feel very important to me. It just didn't. And the match was okay. I mean, it was a decent enough match, but it was not... It wasn't like a classic or anything. And, um, yeah, kind of a letdown. And I'm a big Adam Cole fan, by the way. I want to see him do really well. Uh, I was, I, you know, I was hoping he would win it. Everything I said, taken into account, I still wanted him to win. And Hangman Page held on to the title. We didn't get any big surprise at the end of the show. I thought maybe, okay, well, if Hangman keeps it, then maybe we'll get a taste of who his next challenger is going to be. And someone's going to come out. Maybe it would be uh, Cesaro. Maybe Cesaro would make his appearance. Maybe uh, Bray Wyatt or Wyndham. Maybe Smoa Joe. Maybe one of these big names that are kind of in limbo right now. Nope, nothing. It was just Hangman wins and that's that. We'll see you on Wednesday for Dynamite. So that was the AEW Revolution card. What was my favorite match of the night? Mm. That's a tough one. Toss-up between Punk and MJF or Moxley and Danielson. Very different styles between those two matches. Obviously, one's kind of a gimmick match. More of a, more of a brawl. More of a street fight. Not many technical wrestling holds being applied in there. It was just two guys trying to trying to end each other, you know. Moxley and Danielson, it was violent, it was hard hitting, but it was more of a classic technical wrestling match. Uh hmm. I don't know. If I could watch one of them right now, which one would I rather see? I guess that's a pretty good way of figuring it out. What would I rather watch again? Punk and MJF or Moxley and Danielson? Both had their cool moments. You know, you got the William Regal thing at the end of the other one. You got Punk coming out to his old Ring of Honor shit. I'm going to go with Punk and MJF because that was... They both had a really good build, too, to be honest. I was very invested in both of those. Um, so, kind of a toss-up. But I'll give it to Punk and MJF. Yeah, okay. Very close second is Moxley and Danielson. So, uh, all right. If you're still with me after all the wrestling talk, thanks for tuning in today. Now I'd like to, uh, I'd like to talk about some video game shit. So I was looking at Steam, which I do every day got to check the new releases because they've got a new releases section they've got an upcoming section you can go into the upcoming section and you can see what's coming out every day um however sometimes in the upcoming section of steam not everything's listed and you might think oh i already checked 
to see what's coming out tomorrow. It doesn't look like anything good. And then you don't look the next day, and there was like a surprise entrant that gets thrown into the mix that was not featured as an upcoming game just maybe hours prior. And then there it is. It comes out of nowhere. I don't know how that happens exactly. I don't know what the deal is. I don't like that because I I would prefer to just be able to go on there, see what's coming out, say, okay, nothing good today. I don't need to check it anymore. But yeah, sometimes it's the same day. Sometimes you'll look in the morning and see nothing good coming out today. You go back 5 p.m., and you see that there's a brand new game that's dropped and and people are loving it and everyone's and their videos already on YouTube and all this shit and it's like damn it what the why does that happen why was it not listed earlier as something that was coming up today why do these things just seem to materialize out of thin air sometimes i don't understand that i would like i would like steam to answer for this phenomenon I would like them to answer for it, and I would also like them to make it go away and to fix it. I would like you to fix this, Steam, so that when I check to see what's coming out on March 7th in the morning, I'm going to see everything that comes out on March 7th. There aren't going to be surprise wild card entrants later in the day that um, you just you have to be there at the right time to see. I don't like that. I'm not a fan of it. So uh, don't do that anymore. However, with that being said, I did check out the games listed at the moment for the rest of the week. And it doesn't seem like there is shit coming out on Steam. Um, actually, there was... There's a game called Paranormal Motel that's coming out on Friday that looked kind of fun. Kind of an exploration, creepy, you're stuck in the motel at night trying to solve mysteries. Uh, That looked like it had kind of a cool, kind of outrunnish, vapor-wavy aesthetic to it. And it's also a mystery horror game, so I might try that one. And also... I guess I should say WWE 2K22 comes out on Friday, but I don't know if I'll play that one. And here's why. Because when it comes to games, I try to devote myself to games that not everyone else is doing, not everyone else is covering. So many YouTubers, they play games, they do the commentary shit over top of it, they do the reaction videos. So when it comes to smaller indie horror games even even the ones that you know are kind of popular usually the uploads to come out right away are people doing commentary videos so i typically have a pretty good time a pretty good success rate with being the first guy to get a strictly gameplay uh, only video up on youtube so when people search it up When they search for that title, they see my video. I'm, or at least among uh, a small number of them that are up there, and there's a good chance they're going to pick mine. If you've only got three no commentary walkthroughs when you search for a game, I mean, that's pretty good. 
pretty good odds they're going to pick yours. Uh, when it comes to a game like WWE 2K22, however, there are probably streamers, people with YouTube channels out there who are already playing that game, who have access to it, who may have recorded entire playthroughs of like the full career mode, and then as soon as the embargo is lifted, then those videos are just going to go live, and someone like me stands no chance of being in the mix um, as far as getting a walkthrough up for any portion of the game. So I typically don't bother with like big AAA titles like that because though I want to play them, it's not something that I can justify. I'm not going to improve my, my channel's station at this juncture by playing AAA games for the most part. I will every now and again, but even though I'd really like to play WWE 2K22, I just don't know if it's in the cards right now. It's a full price game, you know, $59.99, and then the add-ons, whatever you want to add on, whatever DLC you want to add to it, that's more money, and am I going to make that back? Lord willing, I get my channel remonetized. Am I going to make that money back? It's not too difficult to do that when I'm only paying $4.99 for a game. But $59.99, I've got to do some big-time views. And uh, are people going to come to my channel for big-time views on the new WWE game? I kind of doubt it. Just being realistic. It's not really the type of uh, game that I have made a habit of playing. Maybe some of you would appreciate it. I mean, I just spent all this time talking about wrestling. So maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, also on Friday, I saw this game coming out called Meat Saw. Had the sort of VHS overlay aesthetic to it. Looked like, you know, 80s horror movie inspired. I love those games. However... It looked to me like something that might have already been released on itch.io. So I went and checked. I typed it into the search bar on itch. I scratched that itch and I found, yeah, this game has been out on itch.io since September. And then, of course, there are videos on YouTube already. So another case where it's like, well, that looks like a cool game. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do that one on Friday. But then, no, no, no need to do that because... There are already plenty of walkthroughs. There are plenty of people talking about it and who have played through it. So that's uh, that would be a waste of time, probably. Even though it looked cool. Um, I don't understand that, that uh, long in-between. Maybe I would understand better if I were, you know, were a game developer. Probably have a better insight into why that happens. Why would this game come out way back in September on itch and it's just now coming out on steam what's the point I guess seeing your game on steam is cool as a developer reaches a larger platform but why that long wait time is that because of steam is that something steam imposes on the creators where it's more difficult to get your games up there you have to go through certain steps 
all this kind of stuff. Uh, I'm guessing it's something like that, but that's okay. Uh, I did find a game that I think I'm going to play today called Zabros, like pizza. It's called Zabros, <clears throat> an itch game. Um, it's the demo. It says in the Zabros demo, you'll embark on your first delivery working the night shift for the best pizza joint in town, Zabros. The upside, way better pay. The downside, well, you've got some interesting clients. The description goes on to say, Zabros is a low-budget horror comedy game in development by a solo dev featuring no combat and varying characters based on urban legends, myths, and horrors of the past from cultures world round. And it looks like it has kind of a lo-fi aesthetic, lo-fi graphics. Also a fan of that. So I think I might try this one today. I didn't see anything on YouTube for it. I didn't see any other uh, people commenting with their thoughts yet on the itch page. So it's uh, it seems to be untainted. It's fresh and ripe for the plucking. So I think that's what I'll do today. I was also looking at another game called Overdose. I don't know if I'm going to do that one. We'll see. Itch, you just have to keep refreshing constantly. Unless I've missed it, they don't have an upcoming section. So, in that regard, it's even worse than Steam. Because you check itch.io. Say you check it right now. And you don't see anything good. Eh, nothing good here. What a bunch of horse shit. You leave your computer five minutes later, if you would have refreshed your page, you could have had the next sensation posted up. And you'd never know it. And that's how that one works. So you just have to keep refreshing itch.io constantly, it seems like, to try and not miss out on the next big thing. I don't think, I don't know if Zabros will be the next big thing. It looks okay. Looks like it might be alright. Yeah. We'll find out. Probably be up later today. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I wish I had more to tell you about the forecast as far as games go. Things coming out this week. But I don't. I tried. I looked. There's just nothing there right now. And uh, so it's going to be up to me to keep refreshing these pages finding some stuff that looks good, looks worthy, or looks bad enough to be interesting. That's another angle. And get those things posted up here. And then, of course, on Saturday, we'll be back with the Saturday Supercast, where I will crown this week's Supercast champion, Game of the Week. Last week, it was Happy's Humble Burger Barn. What's it going to be this week? Is Zabro's going to take the crown stick around and find out 
well, not right here, you know, uh, come back on Saturday and find out what I have to say. Are you team Zabros? You gonna be pulling for Zabros? Do you like pizza? Hmm. I like pizza. Specialty pizzas. They've got their menu listed here on the Zabros itch.io page. Uh, they've got Bertoli, frozen meats, store bought marinara, kosher mozzarella, plus two dollars. They've got the Salamire, I don't know if that's how you say it. All the meats, mozzarella and cheddar. That's four dollars, I guess. Turks Special. That's an extra large pizza. Fractured friendships and monologue for six dollars. That's confusing. I don't understand what this means. Those are the it says those are specialty pizzas. You get a pizza with fractured friendships and monologue on it. Hmm. Uh, the basics. How about this? Another part of the menu. Prices. A small is $8.99. A medium is $12.99. A large is $14.99. I guess that's pretty fair for today's pizza places. That's not too bad. Toppings. You can get pepperoni, peppers, onion, olives, butter. Butter? That's, an, that's a topping. I just want to... Uh, give me a cheese pizza with extra butter on it. Uh, pineapple or garlic. They used to have anchovies, but it looks like anchovies are crossed off on the menu, so you can't get anchovies anymore. And then they've got cheddar, mozzarella, gouda, and feta cheese available for you. All right. So that's the Zabro's uh, menu. All right. Well, I think I'm going to go play this and then get it uploaded. So everyone, uh, until next time, until Saturday, Oh, hold on. Before we go, I got to remember to do this. Okay. Talked about it last time. I'm going to do it every time, pretty much, because I think I need to. Some light shilling. Okay. I'm trying to grow this channel. I'm trying to grow this podcast. I'm trying to get to the point where we get some new Super Divorce music out. The Super Divorce comic book that I'm going to do monthly, the, the monthly mini comic that will be packaged up with a monthly CD or cassette tape single. These are my plans. These are the things we're going to do. To get there, we need to continue to grow the channel, the podcast, the playthroughs, all of it. We've got to grow. We cannot stagnate. I talked on Saturday about how, yeah, I, I've looked at ad campaigns. I've run ad campaigns in the past marginal success here and there but I was thinking about my own experience the things that I have grown to love in my life when it comes to media when it comes to bands when it comes to podcasts books comic books all these other things rarely rarely do I get a new favorite because I was the target of a successful ad campaign. You know where my favorite things come from? The enthusiastic word of mouth from friends and family. Or just people posting on Twitter or online. Not the sponsored posts. It's really like, I've noticed that 
when I see promoted or sponsored on a post, it almost makes me like tune out. I want to tune that out. When I see people gushing enthusiastically about something, however, and it's not a paid post, I'm more likely to take that seriously and actually check out what they're talking about. And I think that I think that's becoming more and more, um, maybe I'm wrong, I don't have the analytics, but it seems to me it registers with me on a common sense scale that that would be, it would be more and more likely for people to shy away or to run away even from promoted posts, from things they know are ads because there are so many of them now. And people know they're being targeted all the time. And people really don't like that. We don't like that feeling of being targeted by an ad campaign. And you can say, as the one doing the targeting, well, we're just trying to give people more of the things that they want. And there might be some truth to that. But also at the same time, like I said, as an individual, you probably value your privacy you don't like the creepy feeling that you're being tracked all the time. That you had a thought about you know, this or that item or you, you mentioned it in conversation with someone and then you looked on your phone and you saw an ad for it immediately. It's weird. It's creepy. So if you're enjoying this channel, if you're enjoying any of the content that's going on here, please... Uh, let others know. Bring them on board. So you got to check this channel out. Why? Why do I want to check out another YouTube channel? What is it? Another guy screaming? Is another guy screaming his head off every time there's like a, a creepy, a creepy spooky guy that comes onto the screen when he's playing a video game? Is it one of those channels? No, it's not. He does these playthrough videos without commentary he's not he's not even trying to get himself over man he's just trying to put the games over he's trying to get the games over he's letting the people watch the games for themselves and then if you want to hear what he has to say he does a podcast separately where he'll talk about the games and yeah, some other assorted shit Oh, another guy with a podcast, huh? Oh, okay. All right, I see what's going on here. Yeah, okay. Guilty as charged. I'm another guy with a podcast. But, damn it. I'm trying to make it interesting. I'm trying to be pleasant with you. I'm trying to give you my honest opinions. I'm trying to... I'm not doing much, much posturing, okay? I'm not... Um, I think I can say that much. I'm not... Hmm. Um, I don't know how to sell my podcast. I need, I need to think more about it. I mean, if you weren't listening, and I was trying to tell you to listen, what would I have to say? Listen to my podcast because, oh, well, I just, yeah, I do these video game playthroughs and I don't talk during the game. So if you want to hear what I have to say about the games afterwards, check out the podcast. 
There you go. And then, oh, you like, you like wrestling at all? I talk about wrestling sometimes. Do you like, do you like uh, current events? Well, I'm not going to talk too much about shit like that, I don't think. Right now, you'd probably want me to, if you did, if you're like a big current events person, you'd probably want me to talk about Russia and Ukraine. And uh, I don't think we're going to go into that. I think there are plenty of other places you can go to hear people um, who are much more informed and much more knowledgeable on that shit than I am. So probably probably stay away from stuff like that for the most part. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about like pop culture controversies from time to time. I did a little bit of that on Saturday. Um, I just think that, look, okay, I think it's a pleasant podcast to listen to. I think you will, you will enjoy the lighthearted fare of the Super Divorce Supercast most of the time. Maybe we'll get serious from time to time. Don't, don't get mad if sometimes it veers into the realm of the serious. Don't get upset about that because it, it will happen. I don't know when, but it's going to. Don't be blindsided by it, but most of the time, lighthearted fare. Okay? It's just a good variety show. It's a nice variety show. It's a nice break. It'd be good to listen to on your way to work. It'd be good to listen to on your lunch hour or your lunch 15 minutes. It's probably more likely. That was a big deal to me when I got a job where I actually had a lunch hour where I could go take like an hour for lunch because I was the manager. I would hear that term sometimes when I had like really shitty jobs. When you're working at McDonald's, I did like three tours of duty at McDonald's back in the day. That was, that was rough. It's a rough place to work. I mean... Compared to fighting in a war or something, obviously, it's a joke. But when it comes to shit jobs, the kind of jobs that you're, you're thinking of when you imagine shit jobs, working at McDonald's, whew, boy, uh, not too good. I don't, uh, didn't like that very much, but I did it. I put my time in. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, lunch hour. Yeah, would I think at McDonald's we got a couple Well, no, I didn't get a 10-minute break. You only got 10-minute breaks if you were a smoker. I never thought that was very fair. Really made me consider taking up smoking because like these smokers are getting extra breaks. They can go out and smoke. I'm not getting an extra break. Why don't I get a fresh air break? The smokers could go out and take a smoke break. That always seemed like complete horse shit to me. Maybe that's changed over time. But that's been a thing at several jobs I've had. And it's always bothered me. Like, what are you doing? Why are you allowing the smokers to go outside, have this extra time to blow off steam? What's the deal with that? They have a bad habit, so they get extra break time. 
Fuck off. Absolutely fuck off. That's a bunch of horse shit. You know? Um, but eventually I had a job where I got a real lunch hour, and that was nice. And I would drive over to Chipotle, sit down. Oftentimes I would... I always thought this was a, a great achievement. I always admired this. You'd see in movies or TV shows where people go out on their, their lunch hour and they sit down and they have their cheeseburger or they have their salmon and then they get a nice tall frosty beer. And that's really something. That's a nice delight. That's a simple pleasure if you can achieve that. Drink that in if you've got it. If you have a job like I achieved when I was managing and uh, could go over to Chipotle, I could get myself a, a nice burrito, some chilps, and then also have a beer on my lunch break. Drinking beer in the middle of the work day. Something fantastic about that. Not getting hammered. Not in getting drunk off my ass and then stumbling back into work. I'm not saying that. Don't do that. If you do that, you've got a problem. And you shouldn't be drinking anything except water and detoxing. If you're stumbling back into work from your lunch break like a like a fish man all full of you got alcohol dribbling out your gills you need to get your ass out of Dodge, detox, drink a nice glass of water anytime you can, and stay away from the alcohol because you've got a problem with it. But if you don't, you don't do that. If you can roll in to Chipotle and get yourself a burrito and a nice Corona and just relax, enjoy your break and head back into work a little bit decompressed, a little bit a little bit less on edge, a little, little lighter in the loafers. I think people used to say that about guys who were gay, didn't they? If you feel a little gay when you're going back into work, um, that guy's light in the loafers. He's a little light in the loafers, isn't he? I don't know. You feel gay when you go back into work because you uh, relaxed too much on your lunch break. I don't know if any studies have been done on that. I don't know. All right, um, that's going to do it for today. Share, tell of this program and this channel and Super Divorce and listen to Super Divorce Music at superdivorceme.com or on Spotify or iTunes or Apple Music or Amazon, wherever you stream your fucking horse shit. And um, you can find this podcast on Spotify as well now. If you're watching this video on YouTube, you can also listen on Spotify. Till next time, everyone. Take real good care. Keep kicking ass. Love you lots. Lord willing, I'll be back very soon with another video to watch or audio track to listen to. Bye-bye.